we're kicking off a new season, Good Dirt, and uh, the premise of Good Dirt is this. God wants to bloom something beautiful in you, but in order for him to bloom in you what he wants to do, we first have to become Good Dirt. Amen. One amen. My goodness, the graphic's beautiful, the concept is biblical, and I just lay it out there for you, and I get one sweet, soulful amen out of you. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, God wants to bloom something beautiful in me, but first, I have to become, and you're going to respond, good dirt. You know how these seasons work. When we go into a season, we always have a chant that goes with that season. This is our chant, okay? God wants to bloom something beautiful in me, but first, I have to become little bit better. If you're online, drop it in the chat somewhere. One more time, God wants to bloom something beautiful in me, but first, I have to become you got to become good dirt. So let's get dirty. (laughs) That is just a mixture of bad preacher humor right there. Been waiting to drop that all week. My old drummer's back, and I should have done it when he was up here. He would have given me one of the dum-dum-ching. He would have hit it for me. All right, let's dump in. (laughs) Dump in? (laughs) Oh, man. Matthew 13, 1 through 9, please keep it about Jesus today. Let's jump in. You got, me, you got dirt on the mind. I got D, dirty, dirt, dump. Here we go. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Later the same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly point. So he's telling them an earthly story, and it's got a heavenly point. It's got a kingdom point to it, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Verse 5, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But Verse 6, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out other tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let me give you what, and by the way, verse 9, we're, we're going to hammer that home here in a little bit. But he says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So we've got ears to hear. We need to do two things with this parable. We need to listen, and not only do we need to listen, but we need to understand what God is saying. The big thing that's going to jump out initially in this parable to the people that have gathered on the Sea of Galilee is this. Uh, First of all, Galilee had very fertile soil. It was an incredible place to plant crops. It was very rich. It was very wet soil. So planting and farming and agriculture was the moneymaker of the day, right? So what would happen was they would cut these paths and they would cut the, they would walk these paths and they would cut these these uh, like like 
like ditches in the ground, or what do you call them, rows in the ground. And they would walk along this path with a bag of seed, and they would throw that seed out into all of the, the trenches that they had cut. And then they'd walk back through the path, and they would mix it with their hands, and they would mix that soil and dirt and flatten it out. Okay, so this was, this was very, very common. They understood exactly what he's saying. But when he said 30, 60, a hundredfold, that's when things lit up. That's when they began to say to themselves, hold it one second. Back up. Are, are you sure you... Let me give you an example. We're in Texas, after all. Let me, let's say there was a man who went to his backyard to drill an oil well. And this man went out, and the first man that went to drill the oil well was so arrogant that he already knew where he was supposed to drill, despite what the engineers and the, the team and the topography graphs and all of the surveys told him to drill. He said, nah, y'all keep all that stuff. I know where the oil's at. And he went over, and he drilled his own hole, and he didn't hit any oil. The next guy that came along was going to drill his own oil well in his backyard, and he drilled, but he just was too shallow. He didn't go deep enough to hit the oil. The third guy guy that came to drill oil was so wrapped up in how much money he was going to make. He was so excited about the profit and his wife was already spending it on new purses and handbags and European imports and Escalades and everything else that he forgot to go drill. He actually forgot to go drill the oil. But then the fourth guy came and the fourth guy set out and did exactly what he was supposed to do in exactly the right fashion and he hit oil. And when he hit oil, he made 100, 200, even 300 billion dollars. That's the story in Texas terms. And even when you hear 100, 200, 300 billion, there's money in oil and gas, but that is a different level. That is a different kind of return. In other words, what Jesus is communicating is this. If you'll be obedient to what I've called you to, and you'll have the right soil, and you will listen, and you will understand, you will reap a harvest far greater than you can do on your own. You will have return far greater than what you could manufacture on your own. That was the initial message. Was sure, you can keep sowing your own way. You can keep drilling your own way. You can keep doing it your own way with your own style and your own mindset and your own heart. The problem is you will never touch the return that I can give you. The return on good dirt. Dirt is our heart. Okay, If you haven't caught that yet, the soils are our heart. The return on a good heart before the Lord is far more than anything you can manufacture on your own. Hear me today and understand, Jesus said. The return right here. When this is right, man, I just want to drill this home. When this right here is right. No, we're not talking about this right here. We're talking about when your heart, when your heart is right with the Lord, the return that you can reap is far greater than anything you will experience on your own. So he goes in Matthew 13, 16 through 23. Jesus revisits the parable and he breaks it down for them. Let me give you the three things in play here. This parable is about one seed. 
The message of the kingdom, verse 11 tells us the kingdom of the message of the kingdom that he was communicating. Jews believed in a later kingdom to arrive. Jesus came, and throughout the book of Matthew, if you've read it, you hear this over and over. The kingdom has come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The message of the kingdom is here. He's saying to them, what you are waiting for is right in front of your face. The help that you are longing for today is right in front of your face. The change that you need for your marriage is right in front of your face. The hope that you need for your future, trying to figure out how do I navigate a future career and I don't even know what I want to study now and I've got finals coming up and I'm stressed out, I'm under pressure and I don't know what the summer looks like and I've got to make money to pay for school because my dad lost his job so he can no longer afford to help me with college so I've got to work, I've got to pay rent, I've got to have a lease, I've got to figure out how to do this and I don't even know what I want to do with my future because everything is changing so much. The help that you need is right in front of your face. The hope that you're looking for is right here. It's the seed. And the seed is perfect, by the way. Catch this. The seed is perfect. The same seed that yields nothing is the same seed that yields 30, 60, and 100 fold. Wrap your mind around that. The same seed that is transforming people in here is the same seed that's not doing anything in you. Why? Second part, it's the soil. It's the heart. It's what is that seed landing on? The second part is the soil. So you have the seed, which is perfect and transformed. You have the soil, that which it lands on, and the perfect seed. There is nothing that needs to change about the seed. The seed is perfect. And whatever that seed lands on, it's either going to change and transform and cultivate a pro and produce fruit and a crop 30, 60, 100 fold, or it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to sprout up and then die out. So the second part is the soil. And the third part is the sound. What are you hearing right now? What are you hearing come into your ears and down into your spirit? This is a big piece to this parable. In fact, it's the first place that he starts. Before I jump into that, I want to just take you through, so this is good. We read Matthew 13, 1 through 9. It's Jesus introducing it, okay? And then... There's this little section in the middle where the disciples come to him. And guys, I gave you 16 through 18. Just throw that up there. I'm going to start back in verse 13, okay? So I'm going to jump into verse 13, and then I'll get to verse 16 and kind of make this make sense. So he starts with this parable. He says, I want to tell you a parable. And they came to him after he explained the, uh, the, the parable of the sower. And they said, why are you talking to us in parables? And basically what he says is if I gave it to you straight, you wouldn't get it. If I told you what you really needed to hear, you wouldn't receive it today, so i got to tell you in the form of a story. This is a really intense passage, and I, I was sitting here asking the Lord, um, Lord, do I really want to share that? Do I really want to go there? Do I really want to press that button? And the Lord said, I want you to say everything that I've told you to say. So I'm going to do one thing this morning. I'm just going to say everything that God has told me to say. And he says it right here because he has to speak. He says, I speak in parables because you won't grasp it if I first give it to you. And then he jumps in verse 13. He says, that is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't see. So is it possible to look and not see anything. Isn't that interesting? 
Is it possible to look and not see anything? And then he says, oh, but they hear, but they don't really listen. Can you have ears and not listen to something? Can you have ears in here today or last Sunday or the Sunday before or the Sunday before that and not be hearing anything? You hear a microphone going, but you scroll in sports scores and you scroll in social media and you're already planning what's for lunch and you this, that. Can you have ears but not really hear? I got a five-year-old. I can promise you that's the case. The brother's got two ears and no sense. I'm like, do you hear what I'm saying to you right now? Yeah, yeah, daddy. Yeah, daddy. Okay, so you're not going to touch it, right? No, I'm, I'm not going to touch it, daddy. I'm not going to get your hand off of it then, right? Spiritually, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying you can have ears, but, but it's not hearing. You're not listening to it. They don't listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, it's Isaiah chapter 6, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. What are we talking about with soil? We're talking about hearts that aren't receiving what God is dropping on them. And their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your angry, frustrated, constantly annoyed heart. He wants to heal your bitter, hurt, closed-off heart. He wants to heal your lying, gossiping, lusting heart. Just said it. I, I want to heal it. They won't listen to me. And then they, they listen, but then they don't understand. And then they won't, don't want to go. The, the, the prerequisite for this parable is to listen and understand. He doesn't even take them to interpretation until he's convinced they're ready for what he has. Matthew 13, 16 through 18. So he continues on, and now we have it. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. In other words, if you're not ready to receive it, there's no sense in telling you what's going on. You have to turn your heart to a place of reception. You have to be ready. You've got to prepare yourself to receive. I, 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 I mentored a, um, a young adult a long time ago. I was a young adult pastor at uh, the Ark in Conroe. And I had a guy who wanted me to mentor him. So we had two coffees. And I met him for coffee, and I gave him a book, and I asked him to read a chapter. And so then we talked for a little bit. We came back the next week, and I gave him, a, and I asked him, I said, what did you think of chapter one? And he said, oh, I didn't have time to read it. Okay, great. All right, well, we'll, we'll reconnect next week, and we'll have coffee. So the next week, we meet for coffee, and I said, okay, what did you think of chapter one? He still hadn't read it. And I said, okay, um, well, this was, this was fun, and I'm done mentoring you. He was like, why? No, I love this time. I enjoy it so much. I said, great. 
Well, you're not, you're not doing anything. That we're, you, you have ears, but you're not hearing. You, you're getting it, but you're not, you're not understanding what we're talking about, so we're not going to do it. And then it came time I'm planting the church, and he reached out, and he wanted to, he wanted to work for me. Hey, man, I'll, I want to come work for you, and I want to work for the church, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I told him no, and he got so upset with me. He's doing great now, by the way, so I, I'm, he's, he's good with the story. But he got so upset with me. And I told him something. Write this down if you're a college student. This was something that stuck with him and turned the course of his ministry career around. I said, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want when you're not ready for it. The only thing worse than you not getting that promotion is getting that promotion when you're not ready and you're not prepared and you fail miserably at it and they have to fire you. The only thing worse than not getting married is getting married and not being ready for it. And having two years of a disaster of a marriage and then winding yourself up in emergency counseling because you can't stand each other because you weren't ready beforehand to be prepared. And the only thing worse than you not getting that position in ministry that you've longed for and you've prayed for and you desire so deeply is getting it and not being ready for it. And it overwhelms you and it stresses you out and it takes you to sleepless nights and bouts with anxiety because you don't know what to do because you wanted it, you got it, and you weren't ready for it. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you have got to be ready to receive what I'm going to give you or you will never get to the place of 30, 60, 100 fold return. We got to be ready for it. We got to be ready to receive what God wants to speak right now. In fact, and then he, he walks us through the different parts of soil. Here's what I'm begging you to do. Receive. Open your heart right now to maybe hear and maybe understand something different than what you have believed for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever the case may be. Open your heart to receive right now from the Lord and watch what he will do. Matthew 13, verse 19. Jesus rolls into interpretation and the first one that he talks to is the soil or the heart that is the footpath. It's the non-responsive heart. Matthew 13, 19. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Circle that word in your Bible. That is the Greek word, synonymy, and it means to synthesize. We get the English root, synthesize, from that Greek word, understand. It means to take it and put multiple things together to create a whole. In other words, he's saying, you hear it, but you're not putting it together. It's in one ear, out the other. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Because they're hearing it, but they're not putting it together. This is the person that knows the Bible. That is in church all the time. That is raised in VBS and Awanas and youth group and then are in church now and worshiping and reads their Bible and knows right here what it says, but it's not entering into the heart to transform. 
It's not changing. It's not being put together. I have a friend who, who wrote a book. His name's Gerald, and he, he, he hounds on this all the time. This is, this is the person who is, they know all of the answers, but they're not accepting the answers themselves. It is a hardened heart. I don't need all that. Yeah, message is good today, but I'm fine. Ah, message is good, but I don't, I don't need any of that. Read my Bible. Oh, that was cute. Doesn't really apply to me. I got it all figured out. But I mean, it was good. Love the Lord. Praise Jesus. See you Sunday morning. But I, as for me, I'm, I'm too seasoned. This is, this, is, this is the phrase that uh, it drives me crazy. It's the way I am. Ah, uh, This is the way I am. It's the way I've always been. Do you not think that the one who formed you in your mother's womb and knit you together and filled you with his spirit can change who you are? Oh, that deserves a little. Do you not think he can change you? He made you. He created you. Tell me, oh, this is, hey, you may be able to fix and change and help a lot of people, preacher, but you can't fix me. It's just the way that I am. That's the soil of the footpath. That's, that's the soil of the footpath. That's somewhat, you know what the footpath was? The footpath was the place that they walked to throw the seed. And the footpath had been packed down so hard from them walking on it that when the seed hit it, it couldn't penetrate the surface. Because it was so hard already and it was so packed already that birds then would swoop down and they would take it. But who are the birds in this story? Catch this. He says, then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. In other words, the devil is preying on your own self-sufficiency. He is preying on that. He's waiting for you to listen to this message and no sooner you get to the parking lot, reach down and pluck that seed right off from the path that it's on. Ooh, man, maybe I need to listen a little more. Mm, no, I think I got it figured out. And he plucks that seed, takes that seed away because it's become so hardened. The heart has become so hard. And it's, it's not a matter of listening, but it's synthesizing. It's putting it together at my house. And man, my wife has been out of town all weekend, I, and she took both boys with her. It was just me and my daughter. So she took two out of the three. That's not bad, huh, fellas? I was like, okay, I mean, I can work with that. I mean, if you want to do, if you want to do that, that's great. But I, I miss her dearly. Um, However, I, I do get to share even more fun stories when she's not here. There is this place in my yard where I, I don't know what it is. I have trained her. I have taught her. I have ministered to her. I have encouraged her, and I have prayed for her to not take the turn so sharp coming into the driveway that she runs over the corner of my grass. And, and her, I didn't do that. I don't, that wasn't me. Honey, there is tire treads of mud that run straight underneath your vehicle tires. Oh, it wasn't me, wasn't me. So you know what it is? Okay, it's not you. Then I'll, I'll, we'll figure out who this, this person is. Right? I park on the other side of the driveway. So I took a piece of PVC pipe, I painted it green, and I put it right there on that corner. Two days it lasted. Two days. It was just 
flat, shattered, ran over, right in the and, and she was like, okay, maybe it was me one time. So now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching her to take this big looping turn and hit the driveway straight. But then there's another path that's in my grass. And, and that's where my kids get out of the car every single day and walk the same path through the grass to the front door. It looks like this trail that's been cut and it's just mud now. I got this beautiful yard, and then there's this mud trail of right where they all walk, and there's these tire treads that are healing, by the way, that are, that are right there. And so you know what I did? I put that piece of PVC right there, and then I told my wife, back your car in for a week. Just back, just back the car in. And you know what happened? She backed the car in, and all of a sudden she would open the door, and you know what these little knuckleheads did? And they didn't even have to be trained on it. They got out in the middle of the driveway. Imagine that, right? Got out in the driveway, and then they walked on the concrete path that's created to walk to the front door. And they walked on this path straight up to the front door. And you know what happened? My yard began to heal. You have to begin to redirect the paths of your heart if this is you. You have to begin to redirect that instant feeling, I'm good. You can't change me. It's just the way I am is a path that has to be redirected in your heart if you ever want to experience the fruit that God wants to do in your life. 30, 60, 100 fold. We've got to redirect paths. We've got to change this mindset if it's just the way that I am. I don't need all of that. Sounded great. Hope they were listening. The path, the footpath heart has to be redirected. We've got to change these things. We have to hear them right now and synthesize, put together what God is speaking to you about your heart. We redirect those footpaths. That's the soil of the footpath. It's the one who hears but never puts anything into practice. The second soil, Matthew 13, 20 through 21 says, the seed on the rocky soil, the next one's the rocky soil, represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. There's something there. Catch it, receive it, it begins to take root, it begins to do something, but watch this, verse 21, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have one of two things. Problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. It hits. It takes root. It starts to do something. But because they don't nurture, because there's no root that begins to grow, every time there's a problem, it all falls apart. Or any time there's some pressure, or there's some persecution, or there's some pushback from the enemy, it all falls apart. I have a pastor friend who was talking about um, preaching. They convinced him to preach the salvation message at their kids' camp. Good luck getting me to do that. I love preaching to adults. Going back to the elementary room scares me half to death. It's like, these guys don't listen to me. Someone's got a laser on my forehead. All they want is the candy afterwards. Like, I am, I am not about that life. Aren't you thankful for our elementary team that does an incredible job with our kids? Woo, I'd have them messed up quick if it were me. But I just want to play dodgeball and pick the worst kids and be like, yeah, there you are. Zing! Take care of you, buddy. 
Oh, that's great payback. But anyways, um, they convinced him to do it. And he got up there and he preached his message. And after he preached his message, he said, who wants to receive Jesus in this room? Every single hand went up in the air. Several hundred kids. All, all saved. He said, you know what didn't occur to me? It didn't drop in my heart that, wow, I'm the greatest evangelist since Billy Graham. I just reached the 200 kids. Easy as that. Who wants to get saved? He said, no, no. What occurred to me is that I had done something majorly wrong in presenting the gospel. And he said, in that moment, when he asked, he saw all the hands, and he thought, oh, no, what have I done? I haven't explained it clear enough. It dropped into his mind and into his heart that the next thing that they were going to was fun time. And at fun time, they had inflatables. And at fun time, they had cotton candy. And they had snow cone machines. And they had all of these games that the kids were going to play. And so he said, okay, let me ask that question a different way. For all of you that just said you want to receive Jesus, next thing coming up is playtime. And at playtime, you get to have games and cotton candy and inflatables and fun. But for all of you that want to receive Jesus, we've got counselors that are waiting to to pray with you. They're going to get their Bibles and they're going to walk you through the decision that you made to get saved. And then they're going to pray with you. And then they're going to help you fill out a card, a note to mommy and daddy telling them that you received Jesus as Savior. And while you're doing that, all of your friends are going to be at fun time. So you'll miss fun time, but you'll receive Jesus. Now, who wants to receive Jesus? No hands. None. Right? And then slowly, one or two would pop up and he said, I finally realized what I needed to do. It's the same thing that Jesus is talking about here. Who wants Jesus? Hands up everywhere. Problems, persecution. Nope, not for me. I didn't know it was going to come along with that. And he refers to it in verse 5. He says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But then those underlying rocks, the inability to dig deep roots. Uh, At my house, I didn't know this, but they, they actually built our neighborhood on what was like pre-existing streets. It's the craziest thing in the world. So I wanted to put a swing in for my daughter, two posts, crossbar, and hang a swing for her. And I told my kids, and they all came in the back. I was like, we're going to have a swing. We're going to build it. I got a post hole digger, and I hit once, great, hit twice, great, hit a third time, ping. I was like, oh, no, what is this? Start digging around. There, there's asphalt everywhere. I mean, huge chunks of asphalt. And it's, it was going great until I found underneath the surface there was something hard that prevented me to get down where I need to go. That's what's happening with this soil. Let me encourage you. Don't let me condemn you. And by the way, um, and I think it's fitting for me to say this now, I tell people this all the time. I don't preach at you. I preach with you. I need this message just as much as you do. I need the Lord to speak to me about the condition of my heart just as bad as you need the Lord to speak to you about the condition of yours. So when I'm sitting here and I'm saying, what, what, what are the deep roots? Are you building those deep roots? Are you really digging in to the roots that you need? That's why we have daily presence. That's, let, let, me just, let me just encourage you with this. If the deepest roots that you're digging are on Sunday morning, you're not going to make it to Thursday. If this is the deepest root that you dig, one time, 
one hour, Sunday morning, you won't make it to Thursday. We figure out through daily presence. We figure out through meeting with God. We figure out through being in a group. We figure out through reading our Bible, through worshiping, through praying, through meditating, through applying it. We figure it out through living life with other Christians. We figure it out through going to prayer and worship nights. We figure it out through serving with other people. We figure it out and we begin to build these roots so that when problems come and persecution comes, we can stand there's a, there is a produce of harvest that is rolling through our lives, but we've got to begin to dig the roots. It's speaking to the rocky, the stony soil heart today. If that's you, and you know you should be giving God more of your time. You know you should be giving him more of your attention. You know you should be giving him more of your focus. You know when you wake up, the first thing you shouldn't be touching is your cell phone to check Instagram and scroll through email. You know that. The Lord's saying, understand. Put it together. Bring those pieces together and begin to build those roots. That's the rocky soil. And then he moves straight up to the thorns. Matthew 13, 22. Woo, we got to get going. It says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Catch these two things. Worries of this life or the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Make no mistake, and in verse 7, he says these things are weeds. They're thorns, and they choke out what God is trying to do. You know, I have a, a challenge with this in a good way, because in, in church culture, we are super quick to rebuke things like sexual sin and all of those things. But when it comes to someone pursuing the American dream over following Jesus, we, just, we, 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 we applaud them. We encourage them. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the Instagram-worthy American dream of traveling all the time, living in a big, beautiful home, sharing with everyone your multiple cars and all of the money you have the luxury to spend is not the primary thing that is going to produce fruit in your life. That's not going to reap 30, 60, 100 fold in your life. It's exactly what he's saying. It is someone who says, man, I really want to wholeheartedly follow Jesus, but I really want to make a ton of money more. I really just want to have a whole lot of fun so much more than I, than I want to do all of that. And, and I would even be willing to compromise my faith in little ways here and there and here and there just so I can achieve that American dream. And then, and then at that point, I'll really, I'll really love, love Jesus, right? What does Jesus say? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? What does it profit a man to gain everything that you could ever gain but lose your soul. The richest human that I know has looked me in the eyes and said I would give it all up to see my son healed of a drug addiction. I'd give every dime of it to see him redeemed from a drug addiction that is causing his life to be a disaster. What is it? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? These are thorns. 
These are weeds. Now, on the surface, it may sound like Jesus doesn't want you to have a good life and be blessed and make money and everything else. No, that, that is not the case. In fact, it is the opposite. He wants you to have a great life. That's why he is communicating this to you now. That's why he is offering you a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold greater than what you can manufacture on your own. The Lord wants to bless your life. He wants to see you produce fruit. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to see great things sown into your life, and he wants to bless that. His desire is to bless that, but he wants it to be because you love him and serve him first and not because you're willing to put him off in pursuit of this first. That's the weeds that are choking it out, and he says they are absolutely grabbing a hold of the fruit that desires to be produced, and it's just squeezing it. It's making it go away quickly. I love this time of year because um, the knuckleheads in my neighborhood, uh, who are all friends of mine, and we go back and forth all the time, that don't care for their lawn. They do nothing for their lawn, and it's this heap of green weeds right now. You know, if you're mowing your lawn in the winter, you're missing it. Listen to me. If you St. Augustine goes dormant in the winter, okay? So what is growing is not grass, right? Is there anybody that takes care of the yard outside of me here? I mean, is this, is this not true? Is this not truth around here? If you are mowing your yard in December, you ain't mowing grass. You're mowing weeds. And then here's what happens. The St. Augustine goes from being dormant to coming back to life about this time. I just put down weed and feed, and I watered my yard, and it's turning green, and it's sprouting up, and it looks beautiful. And everyone else who thought they had something cooking in the winter has blotchy, nasty, dead weeds and no grass. Why? Because they thought what was growing was grass, but it was really just weeds. That is the thorny heart. It's the heart that thinks, man, I'm really clipping it. Man, I'm really doing great. Man, I really got it rolling. But at the end of the day, when the stock market crashes, you're in a greater frenzy than when your marriage is falling apart. It's like, oh gosh, no, not that. Oh, we're not getting along. We're not talking. We're not sleeping in the same room. And I mean, we'll figure it out. Who cares? We'll get that right. But my goodness, not my portfolio, right? That's the thorny heart. So now, you ready for some good news? My goodness, I feel like I've been beating us up all Sunday morning. But you know what? Sometimes it's good to not come to church and just leave feeling good. It's good to come to church and walk away evaluating. It's good to come to church and walk away and say, wow, I'm, I'm going to do this on my drive home. I'm going to say, wow, Lord, what soil has been raising up in my heart? And what do I need to change about my heart so I can be this heart right here? Matthew 13, 23 says, the seed that fell on good soil. The seed that fell on good dirt. Here is good news for you. You can become good dirt the whole point of this parable is that you can turn this around. The whole point of this parable is you can turn your hard, unreceptive heart to a heart that receives the seed of God. You can turn your heart that won't grow roots into a heart that grows deep in the Lord. You can turn your heart that is on thorny soil and cares more about money or loves to worry than about Jesus into a heart that is passionately pursuing him. And when you do, you can become 
good dirt. God wants to bloom something beautiful in me, but I have to become... Thank you. God wants to bloom something beautiful in me, but I have to become... And we can. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand. You hear it and you synthesize it. You put it together. You, you take multiple parts and you make a whole from it. They understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. They produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold what has been planted. Let's go back to where we began. Jesus said, verse 9, He who has an ear, let him hear and understand. What are you hearing today? What is God speaking to you today? The whole point of this parable is that you can become good dirt. And when you become good dirt, when you evaluate your heart and you recognize the soil that you are and you are willing to take the steps to transform that soil into good dirt, I promise you, I am a product of this, that you will produce fruit and you will reap a harvest far greater than you could ever understand. I was talking to Bertha who just prays over this place on Sunday mornings and she was down here praying over the stage and I said, please keep doing this. We need you praying over this stage. And she said, she said, we need the Holy Spirit here. And I said, you're right, because if we don't, it's just me. And if it's just me, we are all in trouble. This is a harvest far greater than me far greater than our team. It is a harvest that only God can do, and he will do it in me and through me, and he will do it in you and through you and in your children and in your family and in your marriage if you'll become good dirt. Let's become good dirt together.